Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me. Woo woo! Wah! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man, nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody. Nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, my friends. Hour three. My goodness, is today going quickly. So much to talk about. I read an interesting article today that I think is super relevant. And it's something that I've chewed on, but this writer really digs into it. Look, I think any of us, we're all common sense. This isn't complicated. This isn't some mystery to us what's going on. They think you're stupid, that you're not involved, that if they say something to you that the media covers it, so it shall be done. But that's not how it works. We are free people. We are good people. We are a forgiving people. And at times the people reach the end of the rope. I'm getting there. I remember when Clarence Thomas spoke out in opposition of affirmative action. And everybody on the left went nutty. He's an Uncle Tom. He can't be trusted. He's just trying to be like Larry Elder, what, the black face of white supremacy? What was his argument about that, though? It was very simple. In a nutshell, he said, if you stack the deck in a certain way to provide opportunities for some and not everybody, some people will ascend and they'll achieve positions and they'll settle in jobs and people who work with them will presume it's only because of affirmative action and not their own intellectual rigor or their own work ethic or their own individual exceptionalism or whatever quirky, fantastic, out-of-the-box skill one ought to add to climb the ladder of success. When you eliminate the meritocracy and you instead make it 
a popularity contest for certain people because you're going to allegedly try to make up for slavery and you're going to try to make up for racism and you're going to punish today's generation for the foibles and the wrongs of generations long since gone. The effect, Clarence Thomas said, is negative on those you're allegedly trying to help. It doesn't help. And he was right. We have a biracial couple, friends of ours. He's an ophthalmologist. She is a pediatrician. Very bright couple. Beautiful children. And on vacation one summer, as they came with their kids to spend time with us in South Carolina, I was speaking with her. Very black, uh, very black, very smart black physician. And she was telling me that there was no business. She had no business getting into the, to the medical school that she, could, that she ultimately got into, which was Duke. I had no business getting into that school, she said. And I struggled. And it was very difficult. And it was very hard on my ego. All along, I thought I was fine. I thought I qualified for this. She's like, this is where we are. It has detrimental effects. I've had to overcome that. I feel inferior or as though I've been given something that I didn't deserve or earn. And of course, as we spoke about it, I said, look at you. You're a hell of a doctor. And she said, I know. It's taken me a long time to get here. I think this is a lot of what Clarence Thomas was warning about. This article, though, from The Federalist, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, DEI, is welfare For people like Claudine Gay who could not get a job without identity politics. This is a scathing rebuke of the failure of our educational system. Look, we could argue, and I don't know enough about her, but we've heard arguments that Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, a black woman, very talented in her own way, I'm sure, was basically groomed. She has the educational lineage She was moved along the system to be one of these university presidents. But, you know, something happened along the way, and she stole the intellectual and educational work of others. And she plagiarized their work, and it didn't just happen once or twice. And it didn't just happen in her uh, doctoral dissertation. It happened in other things that she did when she literally ripped off the intellectual property of her own colleagues in order to benefit herself. Well, this article is a fascinating rebuke of that and explainer. Here it goes. It's not a coincidence that Gay survived both poor reactions from donors and allegations of plagiarism, a chief sin in academia. The board of Harvard unanimously voted to retain the university's president, Claudine Gay, despite her public refusal to say that calls for genocide of Jewish students would contradict Harvard's code of conduct and subsequent allegations of past plagiarism. Quote, our extensive deliberations affirm our confidence that President Gay is the right leader to help our community heal. Really? And to address the very serious societal issues we are facing, the Harvard Corporation announced in a statement on Tuesday. Gay kept her position despite both credible allegations of plagiarism 
and an abysmal performance alongside other university presidents before the House Education and Workforce Committee. On Capitol Hill last week, Gay, along with the presidents of MIT and UPenn, refused to testify that calls for Jewish genocide violate student codes of conduct, despite their school's histories of punishing students for conservative speech. We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful, Gay said. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, and intimidation. Well, Gay's peers offered lawmakers similar answers when it came to confronting students, blah, 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 blah. Investor and Harvard alumnus Bill Ackman claimed that Gay's poor performance had cost Harvard more than a billion dollars. Donors drying up. But somehow Gay survived both poor reactions from donors and allegations of plagiarism, a chief sin in academia, and it was likely not a coincidence. Gay is the first black woman to run the university. It is one of the nation's oldest and most prestigious institutions in higher education. Who cares? This is exactly what Clarence Thomas was saying. I don't want you to listen to this program because I'm a woman. I want you to listen because I'm good. And there's a difference. She assumed leadership with high expectations, but her tenure, which began this summer, has been mired in scandal. Chris Rufo reported Monday in City Journal. He's the reporter who blew all this open. He found... The plagiarism. Three instances at first blew into 20. As dean and then as president, Gay has been accused of bullying colleagues, suppressing free speech, overseeing a racist admissions program, and following the Hamas terror campaign against Israel. Failing to stand up to rampant anti-Semitism on campus. She landed the top job at Harvard despite having only authored 11 peer-reviewed articles, four of which have now come under allegations of plagiarism. Not a problem, though. Gay, however, is one of the most protected classes, according to the left's hierarchy of victimhood. Yes! Bingo! Clarence Thomas. Yes! And isn't this a shame? Firing not just a woman, but a black woman would be blasphemous against the religion of identity politics. A white male probably would be gone by now, observed Carol Swain, a retired professor from Vanderbilt in Princeton, whose work was apparently plagiarized by gay. Swain, who's also black, said obviously Harvard did not have the courage to fire its first black president. That was the key line Firing not just a woman, but a black woman would be blasphemous against the religion of identity politics. And so you reap what you sow. You get the government you elect. When you fail people of all backgrounds, but predominantly the public school education. Think about the people who've been failed. Passed into the next grade. Kick the can down the road. Hell, Randy Weingarten is more interested in Ukrainian children than our children. You get a product that represents the suck that created it. Can't fire that, ladies and gentlemen. He's right. Coming up on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Fact check. All right. You just heard me talk about 
Bill Ackman yanking $100 million. Is Claudine Gay the most dangerous person at Harvard? Oh boy, wait for it next. So as we're talking about why Harvard would be reluctant, why the left will be reluctant to ever tell the truth about protected minority victims that make up its bread and butter. See, they need students, particularly students who are different, to buy into the victim ideology, young, because that is what creates future clone troopers. People who all march to the same homing device, push the button, we will all go, what do you want? Let's go protest and shut down a bridge, right? Let's not think critically. Let's not source things and find alternate opinions and see where the truth actually lies. We're going to be easily corrupted. Children we know are, are very trusting. They're easy prey. There's a reason this is going on in schools. So we had this fact check. And I found this on the Washington Free Beacon. I enjoy going there quite often. And this was the story. Somebody made the allegation that the plagiarist president, Claudine Gay, has done more damage to Harvard's reputation than anyone in the university's history. This lady's been there for like a hot second. And already, crap is coming out about her that is really embarrassing. I mean, how do you encourage your students not to rip each other off and cheat and plagiarize and make up fake stuff like my son who made up a fake bread mold science experiment and got 100% on it, right? They learn young folks. They're crafty. (laughs) Did she do more damage than some of the other perhaps less esteemed grads of Harvard? And this is what it says. So here's the claim. Harvard professor or president Claudine Gay, an accused plagiarist, widely denounced for her public testimony on Jewish genocide, has done more damage to the reputation of Harvard University than any individual in nearly 500 years. That's how long that place has been there. So this is what Bill Ackman said. He's a billionaire hedge fund manager. He went to Harvard. He's called on Gay to resign. In a letter to the university governing the university's governing board of directors, he's like, "Get her the hell out. She's more damaging than anybody else." So the free bacon went back. They're like, "Well, who else graduated from from Harvard who perhaps has a dubious past?" Well, how about this? The Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Let's not forget him. Class of 1962. He murdered at least three people, injured dozens more by sending bombs through the mail between 1978 and 1995. How about Isoroku Yamamoto, class of 21? I'm going to go with 1921, the mastermind of the infamous sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. He served as Marshal Admiral of the Imperial Japanese Navy during World War II. Yeah, he went to Harvard. How about Jeffrey Tubin? I don't even want to think about that man and certainly never shake his hand. Disgraced former CNN legal analyst lost his job at the New Yorker in 2020 after pleasuring himself on a Zoom call. Years earlier, Tubin had an affair with his co-worker's daughter, 
got her pregnant, denied being the father, and pressured her to get an abortion. Other than that, I'm sure he's great. How about Jeffrey Skilling, class of 1979? Former Enron CEO served 12 years in prison for his role in the, one of the largest corporate fraud scandals in history. Then there's hmm, Ted Kennedy, class of 56, beloved Democrat, notorious sex pest, killed innocent woman, married Joe Kopechny on Chappaquiddick Island, 1969, drove drunk into a pond. He was fine. She died. Nothing to see here. Joseph Kennedy, class of 1912, the Kennedy patriarch was a vulgar anti-Semite and Nazi apologist who repeatedly sought to arrange meetings with Adolf Hitler in the early stages of World War II. Then there's Robert McNamara, class of 1939, the principal architect of the Vietnam War. Thanks for that, Bob. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, first woman of color, of course. That's what she's described herself. Harvard Law School's first woman of color. Yeah, no, Jim Cramer, class of 1977, the over-caffeinated stock market expert, notoriously wrong about everything. Joy Reid, class of 91, the fact-challenge MSNBC host, who just sucks. We'll leave it at that. Of course, let's not forget Jeffrey Epstein, the jet-setting pervert donating more than $9.1 million to Harvard while trafficking minors for sex. Harvard Weinstein, Stein, whatever, yes, Vivek Ramaswamy. Pete Buttigieg, class of 2004. Do you need to say more? So the conclusion here, did Claudine Gay, is she the most reputationally damaged part of Harvard? No. This is what this says. As far as we know, Gay has not murdered anyone, been convicted of a felony, masturbated in public, lied about her ethnicity, or launched an unprovoked sneak attack on a U.S. Army installation. Accordingly, we are inclined to conclude there are at least several other individuals who've caused more damage to the university's reputation. There you go, my friends. We'll be here all week. <laughs> I thought it was clever. All right, Canada. We've got Wayne Peters, Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent, legit, in exile. This is where it is. Will Canadians vote to get a new president? It might just happen. The deets you won't get anywhere else next. Welcome back, my friends. You know, when I found out this morning something pretty important from our Wendy Bell Radio Network Canadian correspondent... Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent in Canada, literally in exile, Wayne Peters. Something that is going on in Canada as we speak that has Justin Trudeau, if Lord Farquaad is not scared, he ought to be. Wayne, welcome back. Tell everybody about this petition. Well, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody in Never Neverland over there. I actually come today bringing uh, uh, tidings of comfort and joy, I believe, <laughs> for a change. Uh, we are watching something happening here in Canada over the last couple of weeks. Uh, one of the uh, opposition parliament members uh, has launched a petition uh, of no non-confidence for our prime minister, and this is... Typically, uh, in Canadian history, pretty 
uh, normal for the signal of the regime change. Every time a long-serving government in Canada has stood, this has been the methodology that they've used to unseat them and replace the party. And right now in Canada, this petition is uh, about, I think, uh, 90,000 more signatures than any other petition in Canadian history, going up between five and 10,000 uh, signatures a day. So we're at about uh, 310, 315,000 signatures in Canada for a petition like this, which is going to almost double uh, any other uh, historic uh, petition like this. So I I think uh, this closes on December 24th, so I think I'm going to uh, prognosticate that uh, everybody is going to get the gift of uh, a a forced election and probably most likely the removal of Trudeau, but at least... Uh, regardless of whether he was removed, the election process means that his actions to move forward with the globalist agenda are done. Um, until the election is, uh, process has, has been th- uh, run through, um, Trudeau's advancement of this dystopia of Canadistan is uh, definitely put uh, the brakes on, and uh, he's run out of places to buy support. Uh, even his uh, chosen pets, all of the hundreds of thousands of new migrants that have come to Canada, are fleeing in droves with the, pe- with the money that he's given them. So uh, his support is gone. I think we are uh, definitely going to see a, a, a historic change in Canada over the next uh, three to six months. Uh, but I think Mr. Trudeau's reign of terror is over. You know, I haven't heard you sound almost peaceful in a long time. And you sound as though your voice is different because you've been fighting, Wayne. And I think a lot of people here in the States don't realize what you're up against by the machine in Canada. Explain a little bit about how you don't have freedom. Oh, well, uh, I mean, no no dictator goes quietly into the night. And uh, the peace comes from uh, understanding where we're going, not necessarily exactly where we're at. And now is the, the time, as, as exhausted as we are up here in Canada from trying to play this never-ending whack-a-mole game of, uh, of trying to get the, the truth out there to Canadians. It's finally paying off. And, and, and uh, you know, there, it would take me hours to describe the levels of uh, abuse at the hands of, of our government. Um, it's it's uh, it's be getting more aggressive against journalists right here now in Canada. They are raiding uh, those that they see as threats, uh, locking them up in mental institutions, whatever they can try to do to uh stem the tide of truth uh, for Mr. Trudeau. And and just like Biden in the States, he's running a double digits uh, uh, deficit on the opposition party and losing digits by the day. Uh, So it's getting pretty dramatic here. I think we are kind of at the the apex uh, of the the cacophony in Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of uh, keeping our heads down and uh, keep continuing to keep grinding, uh, it, it's it's almost it's very difficult right now with the censorship rules and laws. This is why I spend so much time talking outside of Canada because uh, it's, it's honestly the only way to reach people anymore. Even back in Canada, because nobody in Canada is tuned in to this, the Canadian platforms because they get nothing. So everybody is looking elsewhere, and this is where we are meeting in, in alternative territories with right. dispersing information, and it's a. Uh, 
It's uh, definitely looking gloomy for the globalists in Canada right now. So uh, very, very peaceful, although it's uh, it's still a lot of unexpected possibilities to come here yet with what their their attempts are, uh, particularly in, in silencing uh, dissenting voice. So who who's going to be who's going to be the new person? Who's the new leader? It's, it's going to be Pierre Polyev. Um, he is the shining star of the Conservative Party. Badass. Um, and and I, I don't want anybody to be uh, misled that this is going to bring immediate remedy to Canada. Uh, Canada has a deeper affliction than just a, a party change. Uh, but I do believe that this guy is at least going to be dialed into the direction of global change. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think that they're watching the you know with the things that are happening in Ireland, Argentina. Uh, you know all of these Venezuela, these yeah, rejecting that that are <clears throat> rejecting this. Uh, I, I think that that's going to play an impact on this. There's still a lot of uh, work to to do. The challenge with these guys is every time they pass the baton, they never undo what the bad guy before them did. And uh, uh, I hope that we're we're going to to be able to keep a, a fire. Fire to the feet of these guys because the reality of it is, this is one something else that I hope inspires the audience. We have the most educated society about all things going bad than we have had in our history in North America. Uh, <laughs> so I, these these are things that I think bode well for us moving forward. Uh, in, in really hoping that uh, that this carries on through the states as well, because that's obviously going to make a, a massive impact. But uh, canary in, in the coal mine, Canada is typically first uh, to to the well of insanity. I mean, there's a lot, still a lot of insanity. Make no mistake. Uh, uh, big thing that the world should know is that Canada is the number one. Uh, death holiday capital in the world. It's literally created a tourist destination, and in Canada, of all ways to pass away, uh, death by the state is number six on the list right now in Canada. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. explain that. It. Explain that to me. I don't understand what you're saying. Well, Canada, Trudeau has implemented this medical assistance in dying, and that is now the sixth leading cause of death in Canada. And it is a holiday tourist destination for uh, euthanasia, and they are broad spectrum selling, marketing, pitching that across the, the the world. You can see advertisements for this on social media, on YouTube, uh, places like this. They're they're literally promoting and selling. Come to Canada to, and we'll 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 take you out for you. So come to uh, see see Niagara Falls. Go across the bridge, and you know, off yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll plan a big party, and and uh, we'll look after you. That's that's exactly exactly what Trudeau has uh, implemented here in Canada. And and the, 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 what scares me most uh, about some of these kinds of things is the convergence of them. Uh, the, the Trudeau's trying to right now, desperately in his last hours of power, trying to implement. Uh, an expansion of the criteria that uh, is required to uh, be eligible for death by the state. Um, If you've got acne or if your girlfriend has dumped you, um, uh, these are are valid uh, uh, justifications for the government to stick a needle in your arm in Canada. That's all it takes. And age is is irrelevant. They're trying to make it legitimate for... uh, 
people that are mentally challenged, handicapped, uh, any of those kinds of things, uh, yeah, you're, you're, on, you're on the docket next. Um, if you're a threat to the state, uh, we don't have capital punishment, but they'll offer you an out. Uh, this this is the the death merchant that uh, Lord Farquhar truly is in Canada. So uh, absolutely, I am peaceful by you know given peace by seeing that uh, you know Canadians ha- are are finally getting together to have enough. I could tell you about some other crazy cases going on here that I've been covering exclusively, but that's the big one. Well, go ahead, give me another one. I mean, you guys have been drinking from the bucket of hell for a while. It's time you started climbing up out of it. Well, you, I've been covering a, case, uh, a story in Alberta where uh, the health authority uh, literally has broken the law on more than 70 occasions uh, and, and uh, been filed for judicial review. And even though the, the defendant has won two out of five or three out of five judicial reviews, they just had a hearing here where the courts were determining that uh, for the two upcoming hearings, they were pre-judging costs at $30,000 and judging whether they were going to seize the people's property in lieu of upcoming potential court costs, even though they've won three in, out of uh, the five cases in succession. <laughs> the, it's, it's bizarre to try and fathom. <laughs> I, I don't even have words for that. <laughs> it's, it's it's literally that that uh, bukkake theater up here in Canada when it comes to the justice system. But we are seeing, uh, and much like the states at the Supreme Court level, where Lord Farquaad is starting to lose stuff, uh, uh, lose cases. Uh, the uh, no more pipelines uh, bill was uh, dismissed a case, uh, and uh, the plastics ban um, was beaten here in Canada at the Supreme Court level. So those are two of the big, big Mm -hmm. things that uh, Trudeau had been uh, hammering on for a number of years. So he's losing in every court he's playing in right now astronomically. I've got like a minute left, Wayne. Tell me, do you see this happening? I mean, you're seeing the trend that I'm seeing because Biden's going to go down. All of this is going to go. You see this as being an end, hopefully, uh, to the crazy train? In my opinion, the global uh, moneyed few, the people they call the elite, are losing drastically. Uh, case in point, Putin, and, and this is not to say anything good about Putin, Putin is walking around the world right now like uh, the golden child, uh, basically, because uh, the rest of the world wants to do business with him. The reality of it is only 28 nations sanctioned Russia over the, the, the conflict there, but yet 143 nations are standing up to do business with them. So uh, who's really winning? Um, not the global elite cabal, and the Rothschilds are on record as having said that uh, if they lose the war in Ukraine, the uh, global one world order is over. So I think that's a foregone conclusion. The uh, What we have to wait and, and, and be aware of is that with the collapse, it's going to be be very drastic, but uh, their, their plan is with that collapse to offer us the carrot of slavery to rebuild. And this is our <laughs> opportunity in history right. to say, no, we don't want to rebuild Amen. that way, and we're going to do it a great way. Yeah, let's go. I love it. Wayne Peters, Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent in exile in Canada, secret location. Godspeed, Wayne. We know what you're up against, sort of. Holy cow. Quick time out. California, crazy Crazy couple stories for you. Got to hear this next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. 
All right, I love this. In keeping with Wayne's story, which gives us some hope, because Canada has been the heart of crazy for a while. And all during COVID, we spoke with him. We spoke with him during the truckers' convoy, the freedom convoy. We talked to him during the lockdowns. We talked to him during the jab mandates. We talked to him about the brutal economy there, about literal food insecurity. And about not being able to go into stores in Canada. If you could not prove that you were vaccinated, they were going to choose winners and losers over that, starve people out. Really? In the year 2023, we we have gone that mad? But if Wayne can see a hint of hope on the horizon, I see it in my native California. California ballot petition could repeal major transgender legislation. Look, I think crazy can only last for so long. If it's allowed to last longer than it should, then you've got complete destruction. And we've got a lot of damage out there. Some folks are pushing back, though. Here's your story. And I think this is this gives us some pause for optimism. A ballot petition in the Democrat stronghold of California could repeal transgender legislation and be a major setback for the trans agenda in a significantly hard blue state. Launched by Protect Kids California, the three-part initiative could potentially require schools to notify parents when their child wants to socially transition in school settings. Don't you think you should know? Right? Don't you think you should know? Is it Is it that much of a stretch to say that my child does not have that right and a teacher or administrator does not have that right to hide that from me, no matter how nutty your bands are, that that's a full stop? No, don't get in the way of my family because I'll fight you. And ensure that girls' athletic programs are for female athletes only. Wow. A little common sense. But what's a girl? Hopefully that's next month's issue. It may also prevent child sterilization by prohibiting puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, or transgender surgeries on minors. That I even said that. In the same sentence is so disturbing. See, this is the thing that kills me about progressive lunacy. It's not discrimination. When a parent says, you're mine, you're my child, I created you, you're a minor, my job as your parent is to keep you safe. And after 18, if you decide to go and do X, Y, or Z, you want to get a bunch of tattoos, you got to do it. Yours, your decision, not mine. I don't want it. You decide. That ought not make us bad people, but it does. How do you, how do you justify that, leftists? California Family Council poll taken just days ago shows some pretty staggering things. 47% of California voters identify as Democrats. And when asked... 72% said parents should be informed if their child identifies as transgender at school. 
Are kids the no-go zone? We'd hoped for so long. Like, that is the thing. That's what, that's the, that's the thing in prison. You harmed a kid, right? That was the, the, the story, at least. Well, you better not be a, a pedophile or something, because you'll die in prison. You can murder other people, but you touch a child, gloves are off, it's over. We have norms. We thought that before we started hearing about all of the child sex trafficking going on, that our open borders, Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden have facilitated, welcoming a new wave of victims to sexual and virtual servitude, workplace servitude. At least California seems to be getting its head out of its dairy air. 72%. This is what's scary. The final question of this poll asked whether respondents thought sex was binary. Is it male and female? Or are there a thousand different things that you can say you are? This is pivotal. Will California come through? 62% affirmed the scientific fact that sex is binary, while 22% held the view that sex is not. Still, one in, one in five people there, almost one in four, believes that you can be whatever the hell you want to be. That's scary. The even scarier part is, is that if you add those numbers up, 84%, other 16% don't know. I don't know. Is there more than male and female? Yeah, I'm not sure. Ah, hopefully you went through that fine California public education. Super. Remember, join our Locals page, ladies and gentlemen. Go to Wendy Bell Radio Network. Watch us and click on the local site. You'll get all of this stuff that we share. Every single article I read, every source, every everything at your fingertips. We want you to be a part of it so you can do your own research and make the best decisions for you and your family. Thanks for being here. We'll see you back here tomorrow. It's a Friday. Peace.